Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So if you're new to this church, if you're watching online and you consider us your church, and you're just kind of wondering what we think about this or think about that, well, I'm always open to questions, but also to the gospel of peace. Read that, and you know, if you stick around after that, you're probably going to stick around because it does reorder a lot of things about what we believe about Jesus. You know, I just personally believe that every belief that you have about anything related to life and faith, Bible, culture, any of that stuff, should be biblical specifically in light of who Jesus revealed God to be and what Jesus accomplished in his perfect life, his atoning death on the cross, what he did in the grave, his ascension, and then what he does in the heart and the inner man of the new believer in changing us and making us new creations and then living from that power from then forward. Everything is wrapped up in that. Every belief that you have, simply put, should filter through what does this mean in, my, in regard to my responsibility in the world in light of what he did? What equipping, what authority do I have? What responsibility do I have? Everything is wrapped up in the person of Jesus and specifically what he accomplished and did in you in his death, burial, and resurrection. It changes everything, you know. And unfortunately, a large swath of the Christian body, the body of Christ in the earth that are believers... We're varied and lots, and lots of different kinds of us out there um, don't know about the new covenant. Don't base all of their beliefs on the finished work of Jesus. I'm not saying you throw out the Old Testament. I'm not saying the Old Covenant is like trash or bad or anything like that. The law was perfect, but it had a place. And its job was done, and now in Christ is how we live. We live under grace in Christ. And, specific, and I, it's kind of fundamental, but I just feel led to cover these things. Uh, um, you know, I saw this little clip. People send me clips, and this guy said, said you can, he said, you can only live so long under the grace of God. You're going to have to then learn how to obey and it's like, well, that's somebody that doesn't understand what grace is. That's somebody that has a classic version of understanding of grace where people conflate mercy and grace. Mercy is God forgiving you in spite of all your failure. That's mercy. Mercy says you're forgiven. I'm not holding anything against you. Grace comes by, it's mostly, it's mostly uh, translated as unmerited favor, in other words, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to bless you. But there's only so, you know, typically people will say, there's only so much grace. And unfortunately, when a large part of the Christian church hears, well, we focus on grace, we live by grace, what they hear is an excuse for permissiveness. That's what they think is being said because they don't understand what grace actually is. Whereas grace, Peter says, grace actually teaches you to live holy. Grace teaches you to live godly. Now, you've been made holy. You've been sanctified by the lifeblood of Christ. 
You've been indwelt by the Spirit of God. You're sealed. You're protected. You're safe in Him. You're a new creature. Now that is continually teaching you how to live. But the process of God living in you to strengthen you in your inner man so that you will bear fruit and follow Him and obey from the heart, that is an expression of His power working in you, which is His grace. His grace is His power that works in you to strengthen you beyond your own capacity to live. That's what grace is. Grace is a capacity that's not your own. So you can only live so far under grace. Man, you, you can only live by grace. You can only live by grace through faith. You know, and you access grace by faith. Faith is a response to what He's already done. So you say, yes, 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 Jesus, I believe. Like Abraham and Sarah, God promised to Abraham, you, the nations will be blessed through you. <clears throat> you will have offspring as varied and many as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. And Abraham's, you know, 80 years old by the time he's almost 100 years old. You know, it, it's still, they're still trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? Abraham's process was to become fully persuaded. And when he was fully persuaded, then what God had promised <clears throat> was able to work through him. He stopped limiting it. So that's a whole different sermon. But I just wanted to kind of get some of those basics in place there. Because where we're going, <clears throat> you know, we, we... Y'all pray for me for just a minute. Because I got kind of this big topic that I want to chunk down into a relatable way of living. You know, these, these past few sermons have been... Um, different because normally I've got slides and point, 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 and I you know, bring you to a very specific conclusion. And, and, and the, I feel in these months, and, and it, it just, I just kind of want to empty my heart out a little bit. I mean, I have, I have a lot of scripture I want to read today, but there's a lot of these ideas that you can't necessarily systematize. <clears throat> and so I'm, I'm talking about our responsibility in the body of Christ to affect the world, right? Now, a lot of the Christian church is saying, well, you know, the devil has, is the prince of the world. He's in control of the earth right now, and it's just going to get darker, and look at the world and how corrupt it is, and let's just protect what we've got and, and wait for the rapture. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way, personally. I don't know exactly what the future holds. I don't know the order of how God's prophecy will unfold. But I expect the kingdom to increase, even if there are some very dark years ahead of us, which there probably are. But I think of those in light, I, I want to think about the future from a spiritual perspective. And we, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> a spiritual perspective of the future keeps in mind the children of Israel who God delivered and then protected them for 40 years. Spiritual thinking is, in light of you being in this dark place, God is your provider. For 40 years, He led the children of Israel and would have led them straight through, which would have taken maybe about 12 weeks, but they placed limits on Him even in their own hearts. That's what kept them from going just straight through. You know, I, if, if we're doing anything in this church, it's trying to take the limits off of what is capable, of what God is capable of doing through us. 
So everything I want to talk about, I want to talk about from a spiritual perspective. I want to think about the future. I want to think about the unfolding of prophecy. You know, so let's say there is all this darkness that happens. Well, what would it look like for a believer that follows God through that process? Now, you might end up on a track, which is the only kind of suffering that God endorses, meaning you're persecuted for your faith. You know, a lot of the suffering that we see in the world with disease and loss and trauma and abuse and poverty, enduring those things that do cause great suffering are not from God. They are not the type of suffering that God is talking about, that Paul writes about, that Peter writes about. The suffering experienced from disease, loss, trauma, abuse, all of that stuff, that's not the kind of suffering that Paul's talking about when he talks about, pray for me as I endure this suffering on your behalf, and it's working a holiness within me. The whole, what he's talking about is the suffering that he was experiencing by going into these hostile areas to preach the gospel and the backlash that he got against him and the suffering he experienced in, from doing that. Do you see the difference? So there's two very different types of suffering in the earth. God's not interested in leaving disease on you to teach you lessons, make you more holy. He's not interested in you being broke and poor so that you won't be tempted with money. or You know, all this weird stuff that people talk about. Uh, heirloom Bakery, right down the street here. I don't, if, you've, if you haven't heard about it, burnt. Total loss. You know, that building down there is a, is a, is a, uh, is a uh, uh, um, historic, you know, location in this community. Mom used to drag us through that thing when it was Collector's Corner. Mom was a big antiquer, you know. And, and uh, so it burned. And, huh? It's old. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just got that. <laughs> so, but, you know, what are you hearing? Uh, well, you know, God's in control. God's got a plan. God doesn't make mistakes. Uh, you know, we don't know why, but bless God, we're going to worship Him anyway. We're going to endure, and we're going to see through. That's like... Oh, man, it just, it, you know, there's so much to undo in that, and it breaks my heart to hear people view God that way. And, and, and most of what people say is rooted in the one concept, God's in control. And, and because most Christians believe that, especially around here in this denominational, uh, you know, environment that we're mostly in, it's just assumed that everybody believes that way. And so then statements that are made about God in terms of, well, we'll bless him anyway, well, he doesn't make mistakes, well, he's got a plan, are undergirded by the concept God's, God did this for some reason. God, everything that happens is part of his plan, therefore this must be part of his plan. Therefore, I will embrace it and worship him through it anyway. Well, that's really, that's actually very self-righteous. Though he slay me, yet will I worship him. Job repented. Job, that's a big, that's a very famous phrase of Job. Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. He experienced great loss. It's very clear that it was the devil that did everything to Job 
And you got to kind of read it to really get it in to get it in right understanding of what God's part was, what Job's part was, and what the devil's part was. And Job says things like, you know, the patience of Job is taught as if he endured everything that God did to him or allowed to happen in his life. And, and I'm telling you, you know, if you were raised in that mindset, even listening to me right now, you're, there, you're having a, there's a struggle in your mind of, you could, you know, you're having a hard time with that idea. To, 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 to hear the phrase, God is not controlling everything that happens. You're on one side or the other of that, and kind of sometimes in the middle. But, you know, if you can get over to the, and we're, we are talking about a, a huge divide in Orthodox theology in terms of Calvinism and Armenianism, and I've studied all of that stuff, and I could go technical on you, but I'm not interested in that. Fundamentally, what we're talking about is how do you view God? What do you think God, how do you think God is behaving? Because the big thing then relates to your personal life, and you start questioning and wondering, well, what's God doing? I just don't understand, and so the I don't understand why this is happening to me. I don't know why God would do this. I've given, I've prayed, I'm a good person, I've done this. It's, that's self-righteous thinking. It really is. God, this circumstance is bad. You are in control. Therefore, you're doing this to me. But I've lived this way, so this shouldn't be happening to me. What's wrong with you, God? That's an accusation against God based on the circumstances of your life. And that is one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, is to get you blaming God for your problems. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, you know, so this idea of sovereignty, you hear the sovereignty of God, and it's like, okay, what does that actually mean? Well, a sovereign, you know, so the Queen of England just died, right? And so she was a sovereign. She was a person in a position of power, right? A, a, the president technically is a sovereign. There's a measure of power that comes with a different office. God is sovereign because he's in a position that comes with power. You have a certain amount of sovereignty in whatever role that you're in. A sovereign is a person in a position of authority. <clears throat> To use the blanket term, God is sovereign, and translate that to, then that means He's controlling everything is actually, it's not even a proper way to understand the word, but that's what, that's what gets taught. Have you not been taught that? Have you not heard that all of your life if you were raised in church? You know, I'm, I actually am thankful I wasn't raised in church and didn't, didn't, wasn't taught all that stuff, you know, uh, and, and had a very, anyway... Um, so, so a large part of what we're doing is changing the way people see God. And not just philosophically, but specifically looking at Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who did God, who did Jesus, how did Jesus represent God? Because he's God in the flesh, right? Emptied him, God fully emptied himself of his, so, so, but on the sovereign, you know, God is the greatest sovereign on the planet, right? Or, or not on the planet, ever, anywhere. <laughs> God is God. 
There is none greater. There's, all, there's one true God, right? And he's expressed himself in three persons, in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Son shares the authority that the Father has. He is God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father, active in our lives. We don't, you know, to try to... Un People will ask me, well, what do you think about the Trinity? I'm like, well, why does it, why does it matter to you what I think about the Trinity? That, that would be like me telling... That would be like me giving you my interpretation of a Rembrandt. As, and, and then you're going to determine if I'm right or wrong. Did that make sense? You, you, you can't, you, nobody can explain to you the Trinity. Don't, don't feel like you got to, anyway. Uh, Y'all might not get into these kinds of conversations, but I do. People will ask these specific questions. Well, what, who is the Trinity? And break down, break down theologically the Trinity. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah. Anyway. So, all right, so, all, so that's kind of this big picture idea. And like I said, I'm, I'm emptying my heart in a lot of this stuff because I've just got a lot of these things. We are going to read a, a bunch of Scripture together. But it's like, okay, if we're going to represent God in the earth, we got to know who He is. we got to know how He's behaving right now, right? God's not sending hurricanes, sending tornadoes, uh, allowing you to lose your job, giving your loved ones cancer, and burning down buildings for some weird, mysterious plan. That's not how he's behaving. You could go through how, who God reveals himself to be over and over and over and over and over. And if you want to get technical about it, the times that God did wipe out nations, flood the earth, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to like white out the past in terms of what God has done but when God does those kinds of things, it's always judgment on a people that he's in covenant with or the enemies of the people that he's in covenant with. So in other words, there's judgment. So if, if you and I have no agreements, I have no right in your life to do anything, say anything. But if you and I enter into a certain type of agreement and there are terms expressed and we both agree to terms and we break those terms, and there's a defined penalty for breaking those terms, then I owe it to you to behave towards you in such a way that's in agreement with what we have defined. When God judged people throughout the ages, it was directly related to the agreement that He had, mostly with Israel, to defend them, in other words, wiping out nation. A lot of the times when God had to wipe out a nation, it was because Israel drug him into a fight and he had to protect Israel, which meant wiping out these people. Now, if you were God, you can do it differently, but that's the way he did it. And then you see the judgment against Israel was because they broke the terms they agreed to. Now... The full penalty and punishment for the breaking of the terms of a covenant with God have been fully put into Jesus on the cross on behalf of the whole world. Point being, there are no covenantal judgments that God has to exact on a person or a nation or the world because Jesus has already paid for it. To say God's getting ready to judge America... You don't, you have no, you, that is a spit in the face to the blood of Christ. 
Your favorite prophet that's prophesying that this judgment is somehow related because America is in covenant with Israel and that, that book, the I'll call names, I don't care, that book, The Harbinger, this guy that wrote The Harbinger and he's, then he's got all these other little interesting things that he ties all this stuff related to Israel to and, and, it's relate, and, it, and, the, and the, all the thesis is always God's going to judge America because we are in covenant with God, because we have a special connection with Israel. If you read the first, couple, the first chapter in The Harbinger, that's what he says. He ties America to ethnic Israel, and because we are tied to ethnic Israel, in other words, the nation started in 1942, then America is now under the judgment of God that would have been on Israel, and that's not even the nation that God had covenant with. We're talking about an ancient people. And that covenant is fulfilled and rolled up and put on the shelf. It's obsolete in terms of your relation to God and how God is behaving in the earth today. To say God is judging this or judging that, in other words, punishing as a result of His judgment, you, you may as well, Jesus may as well have never come. because he took all the judgment. So I can stand and get away with it? <sighs> if you go to, well, it kind of sounds like you're saying I can just sin and get away with it. If you tell people that, they're going to go sin. Just, you know, let's just, I got some sermons for you to listen to. But if that's what you hear, and I know y'all aren't hearing that. It's this guy that's going to send me a message on YouTube. Anyway, let me, let me just keep going. Okay, so let's break it down to kind of more practical in terms of what do we do? We look at the world, right? We look at, <clears throat> so election season's coming up, and I don't want to just make it about politics. We're also talking about our education system, the, the over-sexualization of our children, the, 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 uh, the destruction of the image of God in marriage and in sexuality and gender and all this kind of stuff, you know, we, we see all that stuff and, and it scares the living daylights out of people. I mean, grandma is petrified. <laughs> you know what I mean? And worried. And like fearful. There are people that are afraid. Their every day is touched with fear because of all of these things we're talking about. You know why they're afraid? Because they're watching the news. And the news is telling them, look at this teacher that did this, and this school board that did this, and this politician that said this, and this president that did this. I went and listened to Mike Crane over here yesterday, and he spoke, and you, you read the president's speech where he said very clearly, uh, the greatest attack on our republic is happening. And he, didn't he say it that way? And um, the enemy is MAGA Republicans. You would think whatever's trying to destroy our economy, you know, the, the corruption in the uh, voting system, you know, you would think it's like, okay, let's countrywide, nationwide, big things, big picture things. And he, and he, first off, 
what is a MAGA Republican anyway? Right? Like, so it's a straw man, so he's built up the enemy, right? Because I, I guarantee you, most of you in this room, if you had a choice between Donald Trump and a conservative that you really believed and trusted in and would do a good job, I know most likely who you're voting for. It ain't Trump. It's kind of lesser of the two evils when that guy rolled around, right? And, I, and I, I'm just, I'm, t I'm wanting to talk specifics because of where we're going and what people are thinking about. First off, I don't want you to be afraid. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is increasing. Now, um, nations rise and fall, you know? So it's like, okay, what are we fighting for? Are we fighting for a carnal structure, i.e. a government, a specific like definition of a landmass? Or are we fighting for the minds and the hearts of the people so that they're following and trusting God, right? Absolutely, we want to preserve what appears to be you know, the most biblically adherent, godly form of government we've seen because it's, 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 it's rooted in freedom, you know, and in freedom, we can choose to follow God. But what is it that we're actually fighting to preserve? So, I'm, again, I'm asking some big questions. I'm trying to work some of this stuff out in my own thinking, how I'm saying this stuff. It got hot. You turned the air up too much, I think. Were you cold? Y'all y'all get warm again? Who's warm? Who's cold? All right, we only got two cold. Bring them a blanket. I, no, I, I know. I start to, you start talking about that. Would you, let me, while we're distracting ourselves, I'm distracted by these lights. Philip, will you flip those side lights off and back on? Because we got two of them. I look over there and y'all are in the dark over there. We'll pray for our electricity. Flash, flash, squirrel. All right, it's fine, whatever, no big deal. So what, what is it that we're talking about? Because I, there, there's a reason I want to talk about these kinds of things practically in terms of what you, so first off, don't just look at the world and check out, right? Don't, don't watch the news, look at the world, complain about the political offices, and then check out and otherwise don't vote. You know, it is an atrocity that the body of Christ doesn't vote in mass. Like 30 million dedicated Christians in this country didn't vote in the last election. Wow. And look, and, and so we wonder why. Vote for what? Well, that's a different topic, but you know, <laughs> the lesser of the evils at least for now. That's about, about all you can do in government. That's about all you can do in politics. Yeah. I don't know what he said. Uh, so, again, this is one of those topics, if you're new, you're going to kind of just have to give me a little bit of mercy here because I'm trying to sort through these things. I'm not teaching through specific points. But it will mean something here in a minute. Um, all right, so you look at the country, and we think, all right, so let's, we got to fight. we got to take our nation back. We have to fight for the education system. We have to fight for our children. We have to fight for the, it's like, okay, I get that. I understand. The, there, there is, there has been, a very specific targeted agenda to erode the values of what this nation was based on. There's no doubt 
There's absolutely no doubt that that has happened. A Marxist communist agenda was instated to go into the education and governing bodies in this nation and fundamentally change them. When Obama took office and he did his first uh, ex uh, acceptance speech, he said, we are going to fundamentally change America. And nobody really knew what he meant, but essentially he's, you know, that was a communist manifesto, really. And so, 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 all right, so even saying that, we get on the political agenda. All right, well, let's, let's vote conservative, let's vote Republican. Let's, that's, yes, we want to pay attention to that kind of stuff, but that's not the level that our battle is on. The level that our battle is on is on the level of the hearts and the minds of the people. The, the reason we see such a division in the nation that we do is because corporate media has been used to cause us to have the battle carnally through systems and structures and defining people based on political, carnal, temporary structures and systems. Please don't get sucked into that kind of stuff. There, there are Marxist Democrats and Republicans. What is Marxism? First off, Karl Marx hated God. And, and I'm telling you, it might be weird to talk about this kind of stuff, but it, it relates to, okay, so there's an enemy. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures about our authority in Christ, right? So we do want to fight, but specifically we fight from victory. We war from victory. To war and fight from victory, you have to have a spiritual perspective about everything. What's, what level is the battle really on, right? And, and, and so if my position in this battle, where's my position? Where am I fighting from? When I develop my strategies, where am I fighting from? You're fighting from victory. You're fighting from heaven. The battle that we fight is to announce the victory of Christ over the dark forces and over the enemy. That's your, that's your battle. Your battle is to convince yourself of the victory that you have in Christ and then have the opportunity to help others realize who they are or who they could be in Him and live at that level and not get sucked down into these dark, base, carnal constructs. Because if you, if, you, if you get into an argument with somebody that's defending gender ideology or political ideology, just hang it up. I mean, honestly, their heels are dug in. Their brain is wired to defend that because it has been assumed as their identity. So what do you do? Well, see, then we got to push the devil back. We got to cast out the strongholds and we got to push back the darkness. Well, okay, we're getting closer, but that mindset is carnal also. You're not fighting the enemy who really is the culprit of all the stuff that we're seeing in the earth. You're not even fighting that realm from a carnal mindset in terms of fighting, pushback, we got to pray it out, you know. That's, that's a wrong mindset too. That is not properly standing in the authority of Christ. That will affect your prayers, and your prayers come out of your mouth and fall straight to the ground. But when you're standing in 
the victory of Christ and who you are. And you personally are not afraid. You're confident in who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you, and you have the perspective God will provide for you. In spite of gas prices, in spite of inflation, in spite of your retirement plan, in spite of whatever it might be, God is your provider. If your emotions rise and fall based on the stock market, get out, get out. Honestly, get out. Well, if I have to put the world, well, you know what? You got to break out of that carnal thinking. Now, I'm not saying be unwise. We should leverage the tools that are available. I get that. You know, I'm not, I'm, there's, a, and there's a balance. There's a balance to the tools you, you, that you use, but it should be completely thrown over into the camp in terms of what are you depending on for your future. So when you think about all this stuff, you've got to start in the realm of heaven. Okay, in heaven, there, there's no perversion. There's no destruction. There's no dismantling of the kingdom of God because it is incorruptible and can't be touched and the enemy won't even be there anyway. You, you go there. You step outside of all this stuff that we're being inundated with, right? You go there. You affirm to yourself who you are in Christ. You are hopeful in that heavenly reward that awaits. So then, from that place of victory, all right, that's who I will be. And then you realize that actually is who I really am now. In this earth, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In this earth, I am connected to the Father. I am His child. And He seeks to provide for me in this earth. God is seeking to be God in my life. Amen. But when I'm afraid or I'm worried or I allow depression to control my thoughts because of what I've been through. And some of you have been through legitimate loss. And, and, and it is not fair. And you absolutely have a right to be hurt and hold on to that stuff. But is that who, you're, who you are in heaven? Is that who you are in your spirit? You have to put on that spiritual mindset See, because unfortunately, typical Christianity just talks about heaven as one day you're going to go there in the sweet by and by. Let's just huddle and do the best we can here and the world's going to fall and go to darkness and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's just evil. That, that's actually Gnostic thinking to think that the world is just evil. Let's give up on it. And the only real thing we have is hope in heaven. So the, Mar the Marxist, just real quick here, I'm reading this book called The Devil and Karl Marx. And so it's, it's actually not just a political perspective of Marxism and communism. It actually goes into the spiritual aspects of his belief set and systems. Basically, he hated God. He wanted to destroy who God loves. That was what he wanted to do. He wanted to hurt God. And so what he wanted to do is destroy the systems that worship God and then you back that all the way down into the people that are affecting our systems that we hold dear and value. It's the reason that you see why would a leftist mindset affirm gender ideology when most of them probably don't agree with it. 
And again, when I say leftist, don't just have the carnal mindset of the Democrats, the demon, demon Democrats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mindset. Where did the mindset come from that wants to weaken, you know, godly principles and structure its own utopia? Where did that mindset come from? Well, it came from the one, the fallen angel, Lucifer, the enemy. He thought he could ascend to the throne of God. He thought he could do a better job than God. His mindset is, I will be. And, and when you look at, the, you look at the, the teachings of the people that follow the Luciferian, you didn't know you were in for all this in church today, did you? But I just, I'm telling you, it's in me, and I know God is saying, talk about it, because we, it needs to sh we, need to, we need to be shaped not shaped, but we need to have a spiritual perspective of what's going on, right? And, and not just a spiritual perspective, meaning the typical spiritual perspective that addresses these kinds of things wants to go and fight the devil. You don't fight the devil. You resist him and he will flee. But there is work to do and it's in the minds and the hearts of people. But the minds and the hearts of people don't know that they've been targeted, targeted with uh, uh, ideologies designed to lock you into a carnal understanding of yourself, right? To lock you into a flesh understanding of yourself and then demonize other people. That's, that's the strategy. Get you to personally identify with who you are carnally, physically, and then pit you against each other. And so why, why would a communistic now, in like Lenin and Stalin and those types of people, they actually, uh, homosexuality was actually destroyed. But if it's useful in terms of uh, destroying the image of God, then we'll embrace it because it hurts God. It hurts the image of God. And so that's why you see this ridiculously weird Marxist agenda creeping into this nation that I don't think people even really fully understand. I don't even know that I do. I know that I don't. But you just start to see glints of it, you know, and, and it's so much, it's such a bigger picture than the left and the right. That's just not the level that it's on. There are people that are affecting the people that govern and legislate in this nation, and I don't even think those people may even, it's not, you know, I don't even know necessarily that it's evil people sitting there seeking to do evil. It's just that when you remove God, what's left? Well, then it's up to you to build heaven. And I was thinking about this. If you think about it, that's what Marx ultimately wanted to do is offer people his own version of heaven. Well, we're going to give this utopia. That's what communism seeks to do. And even some, you know, every political system is flawed. And I'm not trying to say that America's is righteous and holy because it's not. It's the best one the world has seen so far, but there's still a lot of improvement left on the table, right? But the, but the, 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 the mindset that says we don't need God, prayers aren't, I don't, don't send me your hopes and prayers. I need something that actually works. You hear that? That like, that was a talking point in this last election cycle. Look, we don't need prayer. We don't need the Bible. Give me something that actually works. But they asked Bill Gates, what do you think about the Bible? He says, well, I think people will probably, their time would be better spent reading an economic or scientific book. <laughs> he, he said that. It's that mindset that, that 
have no need for God. There's pride, a lot of pride in it. But it's, it's carnal logic that just factors out God. And so when you factor out God, you're left with still... It, but see, here's the thing. In humanity, we know that heaven should be our home. We know inherently on the inside that we came from a perfect God, that we came from a place that should be our home, that should have none of this stuff. We know that disease and poverty and all that stuff is wrong, that it shouldn't be our experience, right? Like ingrained within us in our consciousness, we know that our home should be heaven. And so then you back out of that and you, then you remove God out of it. Well, you still have that desire to provide. But if you have corruption and power and all this stuff that, that creeps into the pride of people and hearts, then, then, then that person wants to seek to offer their version of heaven and utopia. So then, so then because of the mindset that's crept in, Two, we can do a better job than God. Now, it's not necessarily said that way, but, the, but the, where it came from is rooted in that. Our government structure can do a better job than God, which comes from Lucifer, the first rebel. We don't need God. I can do a better job than him. My version of heaven would be better. Then it filters down into policy like, well, let's do this and give people this, and let's do this and give people this. You know, and I realize that's, that's a, that could be a divisive statement. And I, so I'm not trying to say that people who want free health care and free education are satanic. I'm not saying that. Obviously, if it could be afforded, I don't think there's anybody that would push back against free health care and free education. You know what I mean? Like, that's the conservative thing. It's like, well, who's going to pay for it? Because all we know is it makes the government bigger and more taxes, and that's a problem, Right. So, but when we think about all of these terms in light of political structure, government responsibility, our responsibility, it, then it gets generalized into, well, you're evil because your ideas come from Satan. It's like, it's just not, we can't, it, it, we can't oversimplify in that way. So even, even as I'm speaking, I realize I'm kind of throwing out all this stuff, but it's like, all right. All right, all right, I see. I'm trying to learn, trying to understand, trying to be, I'm trying to grow up myself. I'm trying to, you know, parent, trying to pastor. I want to live well within my civic duty, you know, but there's a bigger picture and, and what is it all? But I don't, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the one where we wake up one day and in this nation, freedom is gone. But I don't want to look at it from the perspective of it's a political solution, because it's not. Now, we should engage politics, certainly, but it's, it's just a tool. It's just, it's just a tool that we shouldn't give up on, because it needs to be influenced. Are you with me? Is, is this, am I hitting a target? I got a question. A question. Yeah. Believe. 
really what we're looking at here as a pushback. Yeah. It's the emergence, if you will, of a so unity. So, so you are actually prophesying. I, I am saying I know this is the case. Yeah. It's well, happened historically, yeah. and it's emerging again. But now it's just a you know the the opportunity is there for us to be more belligerent. Right. And 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 and, and co-laboring with Christ. See, we we have to we have to have a more tangible experience with being influenced by the Spirit of God than just an idea out there. There's the world, and then there's God, and there's heaven, and there's this earth. Well, what you're talking about, so that's a good segue. I want to look at a few passages here because to me this, I always want to go, I always want to frame everything through a scriptural perspective. Now, What's your responsibility? Now, this relates to your personal life, right? In terms of how do you win the battle over the enemy that may be trying to inflict or afflict you? How do you win the personal battle over the strategies and the wiles of the enemy in your personal life? How do you minister or operate within your office or your calling in the body of Christ to help others overcome darkness? And then what's the bigger picture of the body of Christ, our strategies to affect the world from a victorious kingdom perspective. So, so you personally, and then your responsibility for individuals within the body as a ministry, and then us collectively in the world. It's all the same. And it's a few principles. And it's, it's the emergent aspect is what you're talking about. So Let's read through this. And now just, just, just ask the Holy Spirit to work these things in your heart in light of this scripture. So we're going to plant some seed in light of all this big picture that we're talking about. This is the seed that we want to look at in terms of authority, who Christ is, who we are as a body, and the effects of the kingdom, and how it can empower and strengthen and inform me as I'm living my personal life, my life as an influence toward others, and as our joint identity in the, in the earth. Because we got to stop just going after individual uh, temporary structures as the enemy. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Like the Democrats are not your problem. There are some Democrats that are part of the problem, as there are some Republicans that are part of the problem. But what is the problem? The problem is people in their hearts and minds are not depending on God to lead. All right, so Colossians 1, starting in verse 3. Ready? We give thanks, and I'm in the New King James, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of our love for the, and of your love for the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I, so recognize that phrase. Because of the hope, say hope, hope, which is laid up for you in heaven. Say heaven. heaven. Okay, so what he's talking about is all of this I'm thankful because of this hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Now, 
is that just a future tense thing or is it relevant now? Watch this. So verse 5, because of this hope that is laid up. Now realize, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within. When, they, when, they, when the Pharisees and the scribes that, that were supposed to understand God and represent God to man tested Jesus and he's talking about the kingdom of God and they said, well, where is this kingdom? They had a Herodian mindset and that Jesus warned them about the leaven of hair. And, and so for me, what I, what I, all this political stuff, it started to make sense to me when I, when I identified what the leaven of Herod is. Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is legalism. In other words, trying to be right in your own effort and accusing God when you've behaved well and you think he owes you. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is legalism, and then beware the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod is the Jews were waiting for God to send them a king externally to set up a, globe, a, a kingdom that would overthrow Rome and restore Israel back to the glory that they were in when you know, they were with God under covenant. The leaven of Herod is to trust in a military and political solution to overthrow the darkness in the world. For them, Herod, they were under Roman oppression. For us, it's Marxism, communism, whatever it is, whatever the big, big bad enemy is, the le globalism, elitism, certainly, uh, which has all these branches and arms. That's a good term, globalism. Um, the leaven of Herod against globalism would be the proper form of government. But that's really not the solution. That may be one step, that's one area we function in. But the leaven of Herod depends on a military or political system to enforce God's ways, ultimately. So we don't want to be Herodians. We're not depending on the military and a government to protect us, to instill into the earth what we have the responsibility to do as the government of God in this earth. God's government and His kingdom is upon the shoulders of Jesus, and Jesus is in us. I'm telling you, we have a monumental task. It's easy to pass legislation. You just get enough people to agree and you make it happen. But it's incredibly challenging to sway and influence the hearts and the minds of people. And the only thing that's going to do that is the gospel. The only thing that's going to affect the hearts and the minds of people is the gospel. Are you saying the solution is to preach the gospel and people come to know the Lord and that's what's going to be the solution of affecting the earth? That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, that's unrealistic because look at all these people groups. That are, well, then we got work to do. That's the work. Spread the gospel. Vote along the way. Fight if you have to. But spread the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Not the right legislation. Are you with me? I don't think that's unrealistic. I, this visual I had, uh, Glenn and I were talking in our prayer session. He and I talk through our prayer sessions a lot of the time. But it's just a spiritual. Uh, I just had this picture. It's like, okay, you know, so, this, so the, the kingdom spiritual mindset, growth-minded mindset, you think of, think of a garden, right? So a lot of, a lot of what we've been taught in the body of Christ is carnal, Herodian, 
doctrine, take over systems, govern them better, and then we will have what should be. It's like, uh, it might get a little bit better with different kind of people in there. But ultimately, it's, it fails. Man, I'm, this, is like, this is like four sermons here. Oh, the picture. The, but the picture that I had is, think, think, of, think of a garden, right? You got, let's say you got one, I'm going to say tomatoes, one tomato seed. Plant that tomato seed, fertile ground, right sunlight, right light, no insects, perfect environment. What's it going to do? It's going to grow a tomato plant. That, how many p- tomatoes would an average tomato plant? Depends on the variety. 30, 50. Now, every tomato has how many seeds? A hundred. Let's say one tomato has a hundred seeds. You take every single seed in all 50 tomatoes, and then you replant those. And they all, and then you, and then you just keep doing it. To me, that's a spiritual perspective of the influence that the kingdom can have in the earth, in the hearts and the minds of the people. It becomes an exponential thing that's growth-minded rather than developing these linear structures and systems. Now, that's just the picture. That's the picture that I have in my mind as I think about these things. All right, so, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. What has come to you? The word of truth in the gospel and... This hope that is laid up for us in heaven, which has come to you, it has also uh, so, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit. Do you see that? This hope of heaven, this truth of the gospel, is in all the world, bringing forth fruit. Do you see that, or do you only see the darkness? Do you see kingdom fruit? You're not going to see it if you're just watching Fox News and CNN all the time. Look for the fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard, knew the the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, also who declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of all His will and all His wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge. See, we, it's unfortunate we read these and we just hear legalism. This is how you're supposed to live. He, he's talking about the kingdom, the, the, the church on the earth making an impact in the world, not just how you're supposed to behave as a Christian. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, I want to highlight this one. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. The enemy... <coughs> now, people, I'm going to control the government through prayer necessarily, but you can pray for people. It is effective. So in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
for by him, and then there's the preeminence. I'm just trying to put this, you know, put all the preeminence and hope in him. For by him all things were created in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus has the preeminence. Jesus is the king. Jesus is on the throne. That is the kingdom that stands. No other kingdom will stand. If America falls, the kingdom of God will not. Now, do we want America to fall? No, of course not. It's the best thing going so far. It's worth doing something to preserve. But don't anchor all your hope in a nation anchored in the kingdom of God. And, I, I'm, and I'm not giving up, right? It, it's a perspective thing. Um, fine, so then you jump down to Ephesians 6. The big idea that I'm wanting you to walk out of here with is, all right, we do have a battle to fight. It's on multiple layers. We're not all called to uh, pray about our education system or our economic situation or our government structure, you know, whatever area that does touch a nerve within you, I would challenge you, figure out some way to get involved and be influential in some way. Take the responsibility to do something about what you see in the world and that you would want to complain about. Do something. Say, do something. Point your finger. Do something. I mean, we owe it to the world to do something. But you do something from the perspective of your identity and your victory in Christ. Not because you're afraid, but because you're an ambassador. Somebody's, I think of it as somebody's got to be the adult in the room. Right. The adult walks in, says, okay, cut that out. Stop that nonsense. This, this is the way here. Just, you know, you can... <laughs> I just had a vision of romper room for a minute there, you know, but... Are you with me? I mean, let's be the adults in the room that we can bring it down to a place of, all right, here's the real solution. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to give details, right? It's more about our perspective, our mindset as we launch out into the world that we're not motivated by fear. It's not all hope is lost because look at all this stuff that's going on. You know, one in one, did you guys see the video of the, this guy's like the chief of the satanic church. And he's, I think he's Dutch. Go, go on YouTube and, and pull up the, this guy's wild looking. He's got like a, 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 what do you call it? The widow's peak thing tattooed on his bald head coming down. It looks, he looks satanic. He was part of the satanic church. And this, this is incredible. This guy, recently, we're talking COVID years, prayed, and they were looking for a way to increase the influence of the satanic church. And, and so what he did was he fasted. He took it upon himself to fast and seek the counsel of spirit, of spiritual entities that he was in touch with. Like, the, I'm telling you, you think I'm making the, go watch the video. Satan, you know, the chief of Satan comes to Jesus or something like that. So, so he, he goes to, to fast to go in to get uh, messages and direction from dark spirits 
to learn how the satanic church can become more influential and more structured, and he encounters Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? What would you think Jesus did? He looked at him, and the guy was overcome by the love in Jesus' eyes for him. He didn't even say anything. He just, the way he describes it, you're like, oh yeah, he met Jesus. That, that's my Jesus. The, the, a single encounter with God's love for this person who is a chief in the satanic church. A single encounter changed this guy's life. Go watch it. Go watch it. I just said that. He's a Christian preaching the gospel. Sorry, I'm just, you know. You're asking a preacher while he's preaching, you're going to get yelled at. In love. I'm telling you, go watch it. And let that shape your expectation of the future. Okay. Let me, I've got other stuff, but let me, this Ephesians 6, we wrestle against, we not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers. Yes, you do wrestle against the principalities and powers, but you don't wrestle with carnal mindsets. You don't wrestle in terms of you're wrestling to try to overcome him, to overtake him, to win something. The wrestling that you do against principalities and powers is in your own mind and heart to stand in the victory that you have in Christ. When you wrestle your own thoughts to wrestle against spiritual dark forces, then what? Then uh, James 4, 7 kicks in. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There you go. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want to wrestle? Do you want to wrestle against principalities and powers? Submit to God. Resist the devil. You want to wrestle? Wrestle your own thoughts. He'll, and he'll flee from you. This guy's a full... I'm telling you, I'm going to go watch it again when I get home. Now, final thing here. We're going a little bit long. Y'all good? Yeah. All right, Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Let me just read this, comment on it. We'll pray and we're done. Colossians 2, 11, in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. It's talking about your heart being circumcised. It's talking about your, the root of sin that was in you. It's talking about the sin nature was cut away. The, the, so in, um, in whom you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the, the, body of the sins of the flesh. Not this body, not this physical body, but the sinful spiritual being identity that you were was cut away. And then God put His Spirit in you, put a new heart in you, which knows how to obey God. You are truly a new creature. He cut out the root of sin. You are no longer opposed to God and prone to sin. You are no longer a sinner by nature. Now, you might think on improper thoughts and commit acts of sin, but at your core, you are righteous before God. Now, 
believe it so that you'll then live that way. All right, so let me get where we're going. As verse 12, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he made alive together with him having forgiven all your trespasses. Now, watch this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that's the law, the standard for you to live up to what God expected to be righteous was nailed to Christ's cross. The requirement for you to be good enough was nailed to Christ's cross because He lived perfectly for you. Uh, so He qualified for you. And um, so verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to you, He has taken it out of the way having nailed it to his cross. Now, this is, this is the final verse, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, of them, triumphing over them in it. You can, you can leave that passage up. All right, so what, what does that mean? A lot of you have heard this. I've talked about it a lot. Basically, uh, in, in different cultures, when a king or a nation would overtake another nation or kingdom. The victorious king of the victorious kingdom would have the other king, the, the vanquished king, brought to him. And he would make a public spectacle so that everybody would know in the kingdom of the defeated and the kingdom of the victor that this kingdom is defeated. This king, here's the king, we're making a public spectacle so everybody knows you don't have to worry about this kingdom anymore. This is the victorious kingdom. And the public spectacle oftentimes would be they would, they would cut off their thumbs so that they couldn't hold a sword. They would cut off their big toes so that they couldn't run. Oftentimes they would cut out their tongue and even their eyes so that they couldn't declare or speak or accuse anything. They'd wrap a chain around them oftentimes, drag them behind their horse through the defeated kingdom and the victorious kingdom. Guess what? Jesus did that to the devil. The whole spiritual world knows the devil was vanquished. Publicly, for all to see, making a public spectacle of the defeated enemy. That lying spirit that comes against you knows that its kingdom was destroyed and who the victor is. And you but mention the name and the authority of that conquering king. That devil must flee. Yes. Now, if you don't know that, you'll still entertain this thing. Think of slavery in this nation. It took a while for it to be announced. And some people probably, I would guess, tried to keep it a secret so that they could hold on to their slaves, right? But as soon as they found out, they're free. Go. There are some people in the body that don't know of the freedom that they have in Christ. They don't know that the devil is defeated. And, there's, and, and a lot of the strategies of the body of Christ are still trying to fight the devil. Why? He got drugged behind the horse of Christ yes. for all of the spiritual world to see. Whatever is trying to come against you and lie to you knows what happened to the leader of that kingdom, if you can say it that way. I'm just telling you. 
And, and not just that, but the one riding on the horse of victory gave you his authority. It's as if you disarmed him and drug him behind your horse, making a public spectacle of your victorious kingdom. Why in the world would you look at the world and be afraid? As if it's, the devil has too much power and influence. I'm telling you, man, we, the church needs to wake up. And it's not necessarily that we need to wake up to the Marxist and communistic agenda. We do because the battle is, you know, an, the victory is announced on that level too. So like when I hear let's fight the battle, in my mind, it's let's announce the victory. We don't, we don't need to wage a war. We need to announce the victory. And now that's for you personally. Where are you losing the battle? Stand in your victory in Christ. That's over sin, over fear, over disease, over poverty, over lack, over you don't have a spouse and you're lonely. You know, I mean, in very real practical ways. And then in your ministry toward others, don't you dare throw people in the ring with the devil. He's lost already. Help them know who they are in Christ so that they stand in the victory that Jesus won. You don't get to blame the devil for all these spiritual roots of all these things in your life. There may be lying spirits involved, yes, but they run away when the person that you're trying to help is confident in the, who they are in Christ and the authority that works through them. That's what you need to get people believing. Not how to forgive their dad and chase away the soul ties from their last girlfriend and break the wickedness of the Masonic curse in their lives and da, 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 all that stuff. It's like, you know, man, that's just, that's like thinking that the battle is about politics when it's really about the hearts and the minds of people. I'm not trying to invalidate a lot of the methods and strategies that the body of Christ has enacted and engaged, but I mean, but let's, let's go to where, it, let's go to the root, something that really the, 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 the core truth. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the individual and in your ministry toward others and then us collectively as the body of Christ in the earth. Honestly, that, that's where preaching the gospel, I get that. Let's, let's go. The, the stuff that we're doing out there. And I, you know, I, I want to I see you guys being more vocal, be more evangelistic, bring people to church, tell people about Jesus, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. You know, I mean, let, let, let's be strategic about announcing the victory of the kingdom. And finally, in light of, you know, specifically this nation, there's a lot of people watching all over the world. I, I went and looked back one day at all the comments. There was like 12 different countries watching one Sunday morning. And it may be this morning. It's, it's, it's crazy how God uses this church. But, but in, in light of where we're about to go and, and our civic responsibility, uh, what the nation is about to get drugged through, let's not forget this mindset. Let's be hopeful. Let's not check out. Let's not give up. But let's also think, okay, well, what does this look like from this perspective? And then that's where we're going to 
look to Mike to get him to help us figure out what all that looks like as he's figuring it out. Because he's probably stirred up over there. You know, I don't, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. And I, but I, and I don't want to fight from fear. And I don't want to fight. I want to announce the victory. Well, so how do we do that with government? How do we get people? I don't know. It's not my job to tell you what to do. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I, I want to shape, I want to send us out of here hopeful. I want to paint a picture bigger than what I can give you steps to do but gives hope to you and then, and then puts you where you're looking to Jesus. Okay, yeah. No, I think, I, I think we actually make a difference. Help, Lord. And then, and then you follow God. And we have voices to speak to the things. And there's even specific things that we can do. You know, we were at this thing yesterday, and it was really good. They, I like some of the ideas that they're, this particular group is, is organizing in such a way to you know, affect the, the, the life issue and affect gender stuff and education stuff and all these things. And I think it's great to get practical. And we should do that. And, and we're talking about, you know, what that looks like here. Um, in fact, I was going to ask you if you would be interested in, in doing one of the equips here on a Wednesday night so that we can get super practical. And if you're interested in uh, sh- affecting culture from specific perspectives. How, how many of you would be interested in you know, being part of that? Yeah, so there's enough interest. Is that something that you'd be interested in? On one of our Wednesday equips, we talk about what does civics look like? I know that other group has the course that they're doing, not necessarily looking to get you locked into a course, but strategize and get specific. What's he going to say? No. Right. That's why you ask people in front of everybody. <laughs> Anyway, well, you know, I mean, like I said, it's just so much. I'm, I'm reading, I'm, and I'm trying to stay hopeful. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand my role on multiple levels, as I'm sure you are as well. We're all trying to follow God. We're all trying to say, okay, well, what does, what do I do? What do I do? And what do I do is like twelve different levels. You know, the, the answer to all of them is trust God. But oftentimes, you have to be informed to know all the details that are going on on all those 12 levels, you know. So I just, let's just trust God. Let's trust God. Yeah. 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 And, and, and hopefully from the, from the perspective of the kingdom is increasing, a kingdom perspective, a victorious kingdom perspective. In spite of it all, a victorious, hopeful kingdom perspective. Amen. Let's stand up. Put your attention on him. You know, so I mean, you know, I hope that I hope that this is bigger than you know what to do within. And and that you're just willing to trust God. Just tell him, I, I trust you, Father. Thank you for your victory in Christ. Let's let's just say a few things. Father, thank you that I have victory in Christ. In every area of life. You have already won. You've given me the victory. I thank you for the wisdom to walk out that victory in every area of my life and in my responsibility 
in the world around me. I will trust you and follow you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship. Just lift him up for just a minute. Father, we, all, all this stuff, all the information, we thank you for that, but we just we hold you dear in our hearts. Like, like, the, like the satanic guy that just had one single encounter with your love and has radically changed forever. Father, show us, how to, show us how to live in such a way that we might even help facilitate encounters like that for other people, that, that we can point people to you in such a way where they just begin to experience your love for them. Because when, when you get a hold of their heart and their mind, Nothing else needs to be done. They will follow God. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be used by you to be a blessing to others. Yes, thank you, God. And, and say, I will go. I will, go. I will take that step. I will, take I will not stay silent. silent. Y'all were pretty silent on that one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.